Latin swear words or whatever fulgentis means. Yeah, that's right. That's how we're going to start. I'll tell you what fulgentis means, but we'll do it in a little bit. This is Take Note. It's a podcast about paying attention and keeping a notebook. It's going to be a podcast about fulgentius too, but in a little bit. Um, that worries me. Do we need an explicit label? Uh, on this show, we uh, <laughs> we live and we die by our notebooks. So, Ted, what have you written in your notebook this week? What What do you got, buddy? Well, I, I spent some time on campus, on the Rice University campus, which is my place of employment. Happily low these past many years. Uh, there's lots of kids, lots of students bouncing around. I was at the... Uh, Central coffee shop sitting outside and heard a lot of fun stuff. Wrote down a couple of them. Uh, it was it was the morning time. A uh, couple of couple of students encountered each other. A couple of young ladies and one said, "Oh, top of the morning to you," and the other said, "Oh, top of the morning to you," and they carried on with a, a delightful uh, British accented banter. After that, and I thought they were immediately cooler and nicer than I was in college. You don't think they were just no. watching a lot of, uh, like, uh, British PBS mysteries during lockdown? I'm assured that that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a few minutes later, I heard there was a gaggle of students in the distance, and one of them yelled, He literally poured hydrochloric acid on his forearm. And that was overheard on campus. What do you got, Adam? Top of the morning. Yeah. It was delightful. Yeah. It was delightful. All right. Until the hydrochloric acid incident. At the Forest Preserve on, I don't know, this weekend. At the Forest Preserve, I saw a city employee dumping dry, colorful leaves all across the ground from a plastic trash can. And that is how I became a foliage truther. <laughs> was it like the trash can that was right there? Or do you think they shipped it in? I think the only possible answer is that they shipped them in. They were crisis leaves. Oh my god. That, that just turns everything upside down. I mean, I don't think they shipped them in. I'm, I'm not a foliage truther. I think there's some sort of explanation to it, but hmm. I don't know. That's what I saw. Why are, you, why are they going back out? Why'd they go in the trash can if they're just going to come back out again? There's a lot of questions. You know, a lot of people are asking questions. You you brought this up, and now I feel like you're unwilling to engage with it. You're like, well, I saw after, this thing. After I said now I'm not going to question I, I I'm not going to dig any deep. I'm not going to start a six-episode podcast cycle uh, digging into this this mystery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, the, the truth is I don't know enough about leaves. I don't know enough about foliage to really make sense of it. Um, I would say follow the money. Follow That's the what money. I would say. Yeah. Uh, what is it, four bucks to get into this, uh, this forest preserve? No, this is free. This oh, is free. Okay. Well, yeah. we're Which, gonna have to work a little harder to follow them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who had the motive? Who had the opportunity? Who had the reverse leaf blower that sucks them in instead of blowing them away? Yeah. Do you have a leaf blower, Ted? 
We have a reverse leaf blower. Sucks them right up. I don't think of these things. I have a life partner who's like... Life thinks coach? Thinks about these things. Life coach? Life coach. What do you got, Life Ted? partner. <laughs> leaf coach. Leaf coach. Um, okay. Leaf coach. This is... So, so, planning my Halloween costume this year, which... Uh, family does a lot of planning. I usually uh, sit on the sidelines and then on Halloween put together some variation of a cowboy because uh, I have cowboy boots and jeans. This year, I vowed to do better. Uh, so in working on my Viking costume... Oh, wow. Um, st- I, I, I wanted to do a little bit of sensitivity research. Now, I'm not prepared to get into that today. That's a different six-episode podcast arc that I'll be working on the history of the Vikings. Uh, but wanted to, you know, got, got a, got a helmet with some horns on it. So did a quick look, uh, Vikings didn't have horns on their helmets. First of all, that was introduced in the late 1800s when I believe it was a Wagnerian opera and there was some sort of Viking Renaissance introduced the horns. So I, I wear that helmet, uh, fully acknowledging the the appropriation, the glorification, etc. So I was glad. I was glad I did that research. Um, now, down about seventeen other rabbit holes, uh, discovered this battle. Didn't even write down the name of it, but I wrote down this note. There was a battle in Scandinavia that went wrong for the side with the entrenched fortress. Because the weather turned cold and the invading army was able to simply walk across the frozen swamps and marshes that protected either side of the fortress. I just thought that was uh, delightful and terrifying. You're in your fortress. You think we are good to go. There's nothing but marshes and swamps out there. Good luck to them should they try it. Then the weather starts to dip. And you start to think to yourself, boy, that ground looks like it's getting pretty hard out there. (laughs) Next thing you know, invading army is knocking on your front door because your marsh defense done froze up. Maybe we should read the book The Long Ships for our episode next week. Uh, Next week? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, The Long Ships. Here's what's... I'm going to sell it to you first. Long Ships short book? Uh, Hmm? Yeah, it's it's by Franz Bengston. Franz okay. Bengston. I think that should be enough. Sure. Introduction by Michael Shabon. It is uh it's five hundred and twenty eight long pages. Okay. We're not gonna read that for next week. I just I I like this idea. I I've got this thing where I'm gonna try to trick you into uh signing up to read a unbearably long book. Um <laughs> looks like a good book, but it's like I said, they're long pages. All right, so we got Franz Bangston on tap. Are you going to be anything for Halloween? Uh, when is Halloween this year? What day is it? It's, I believe it's, uh, it's the 31st. I, I will, no, I will not. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I don't hate life, but I don't really like costumes. I don't like dressing up. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, it's like I'm often too lazy to, but the I fact that I, I have a, it's a choice. I have a costume... I hate costumes. That means you're lazy. Come on. You're not fooling anybody. Uh, I am excited to have a plan and to, uh, you know, create a, a response in the people around me with this thing. Like, 
It doesn't happen often, but but this year I like I'm feeling the Halloween spirit of I mean, because every holiday for us, ninety five percent of it is the preparation, the discussion, the deliberation, the planning, the changing your plan. Like that's the fun of it, and uh, so I'm really making the most of it. Answered the door in my Viking costume a couple times for the family already when they've gotten home from an errand or something. So I'm I'm really I'm working it. Are you going to buy the uh, DS and Durga limited edition cologne sexy Viking? Are you just Googling Viking while I talk about this? No, I'm just, I got an email. <laughs> I, I got an email Viking. from my favorite um, perfumier. What are they? They're like a scent provider. They don't even, I don't think they, yeah. And, uh, oh, this they, is your uh, this is your like super earthy. Yeah, cri- there's there's sexy Viking one. special limited edition sold out so quickly that they pre. I'm just I'm I'm marketing a thing that probably you can't yes. get anymore, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably hundred fifty dollars. Anyway, I don't need sexy beast. I'm just I'm gonna not go out sexy and beast, gather sexy some, Viking. Sexy, oh. I don't need that either. I'm gonna sexy go out and beast gather some Ben pe- Kingsley. Yes, I, that's, that movie messed me up when I was a young man. I didn't, didn't know what that. was going on. Me neither. I, know I don't know what's going on. going on either. All right, well, this has been a great episode. <laughs> it would have been great if you were planning on wearing a costume for Halloween. I care, held up my I'll, end of the I'll tell you my favorite. <laughs> your end of the bargain. <laughs> my end of the <laughs> Halloween bargain. This isn't the even our... Uh, this isn't even our uh, um, Halloween episode, is it? I guess it probably is. Boo. Um, my favorite, <laughs> my, my, my favorite costume. From the, the guy who won't wear costumes telling yeah. me about Halloween episodes. My, my favorite costume is, uh, and sincerely, you just put on, like, I don't wear glasses. You put on some glasses, you put some tape around them, you know, you you go oh. as a nerd, but then you I've go to a thing. I've seen photos of you as the, yeah. I've people, seen photos of you as the nerd. It's here's the best thing about that you. costume, it just... It's a little too believable, so people don't know. And especially if you haven't dressed up in any other way, it's not clear at all whether it's a costume or whether those are your actual glasses. I like it. Yeah. Well, when I... Uh, when I like I, a confusing got, thing. We know that. Yeah. Oh, well aware. Yeah. <laughs> best, uh, best joke is one that people don't know if it's a joke or not. Yeah. Um, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Sorry. What the Fulgentius is wrong with me? Um, I well, so I got uh, went with my daughter to Spirit Halloween, and I picked up some core elements of my Viking costume, including a long blonde wig. And uh, so I was putting it on to test out for for my life coach, and uh, I put it on, and of course, she immediately go, "Oh, looks that's great! You should wear that all the time." And I don't know if she like there was a sincerity to it. Like, talk about not knowing if it was a joke. Like, she kind of meant you should wear that <laughs> that Thor Viking wig all the time. Like, she kind of, I'm not saying she meant do it, but she meant the words when she said them, which right. was hurtful. Right. Yeah, it was hurtful. I didn't feel like a sexy Viking then. I just felt like a fraud. Yeah. The the sexy Viking... Uh... Uh, fragrance has uh notes of nordic rose pine barrens sure and uh savage black 
What's that? I don't know. It's not like... Yeah, I don't wow. know. Who knows? It's uh, It was $250. The, the second one sold out too, man. You can't get any sexy Viking. Jeez. Yep. It's that show, that Vikings show probably. I never watched that, but... That's there... what's doing it. What do you got, Adam? Oh, thank you. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) (laughs) I almost never did. Yep. So I was leaving the, we were leaving the movie theater. And uh, as we're walking out the exit, some kids, uh, uh, some kids uh, grab the door so they can go in the exit. And the kid goes, ooh, free movie. And I told him, only if you see Tar. You know, the two and a half hour film starring Kate Blanchett about a conductor whose life is falling apart. About Only if can- you see cancel talk. culture among Berliner music composers. Yep, yep. There's not as much cancel okay, culture as Mr. they let on to. Um, and then, uh, and then of the of the groups, the, the two guys from the group walked in right away. Yeah, these were teenagers, obviously. Uh, the two guys walked in right away. The two uh, women were. Um, they were a little hesitant to even, you know, to sneak into the theater. And so one of the girls turns and she goes, what's that? And I said, it's a movie for 40 year olds. So, uh, there were black wings in tar. There were black wings in the oh. cabinet in tar. And when you Kate, mean the, there were in the movie for 40 year olds, there were yep. pencils for 40 year olds. Yep. That's well. right. And, uh, when Kate Blanchett opened that cabinet, Jennifer hit me during the film because she saw a cupboard <laughs> full of blackwing pencils and she was very excited. So I recommend Tar. It's long. It's very good. It's not slow, but it's long. It's, it's, it's a long it's a ship. It's a half hour movie. It's a long ship. Well, Ted Fulgentius is the, uh, <laughs> it's the book that I just read that I was very excited to read. It is oh, by. I thought you'd never. Yeah. Thought you'd never reveal the meaning of this word. It's by Caesar Ira, and you know the reason you probably haven't heard of this book is not because Caesar Ira has published one hundred novels, but it's because this novel doesn't come out until March twenty twenty three. But wow. I, I'm on New Directions, a very nice list, and. Uh, that's what uh, that's what those teenagers who snuck into that theater would call a flex, right there. That's right. That's right. Um, mm. Only if you read a Cesar Ira book. Who's that? <laughs> He's an Argentine for forty year olds. Um, anyway, I love this book, but uh, that's not. I don't want to talk about the book necessarily, although it's great, and uh, you know you should get it from your bookstore. In five months, maybe um, <laughs> maybe Main Street Books in Davidson, North Carolina. Yeah, perhaps. absolutely. Um, well, I, I really like Cesar Ira. We've talked about him occasionally before. There's a blog post about him, but what I kind of wanted to talk to you about is uh, marginalia, um, which which is just such a funny word that even though I think everybody knows what it means, I'm gonna say what it means anyway, which is like writing in the margins of your books, um, which is something that I uh, don't do, but it's something that I want to do. But it's not something I'm good at because I don't ever do it. So I don't know how to do it. And it always goes wrong. And so the, the very first note, I didn't plan to write in this book. But I was really excited because on the 10th page, it seems like the, the point of view changes suddenly. And I, so I, I, I underlined it. And I was, because I was excited by it the way that he'd done it so effortlessly. <laughs> um, but this is not a spoiler because I was wrong. I just misread that sentence, and the point of view did not change. 
And then, so then mm. all I could write under it was, thought this was a point of view change, but no, because I'd already underlined it. And that's kind of the way my marginalia goes. It's interesting. I think I'd probably need to write in the margins of a lot of books in order to get good enough to write in the margins of books. But I think you write in mar book margins, and maybe you can tell me what you write or that you don't write. Yeah. And then we won't have much to talk about. Well, I mean, I, I, now let me ask you, do you, are you, a, do you, are you hesitant to underline? No, I underline a lot. I mean, this oh, whole okay. time. That's, so, I did a lot of underlining. I am very hesitant just in general because when I get a book that someone else has written in, uh, whatever they've chosen to underline just seems idiotic to me. And I'm yeah. sure that that's what's going to happen if anybody looks at the shit I underlined. Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's the first question, like, is if someone else was ever going to, like, possess this book, what what would your marginalia or underlining or whatever say to them? And I, I tend to, sometimes I'll be reading a book and I'll be like, you know, I'm probably going to, like, give this to somebody else. And then I won't write anything in it. I'll just leave it clean. Mm-hmm. You, I'm more I'm more likely to mark up a book that's like, you know, I got it at the thrift store for a buck. It's maybe it's a classic that nobody else cares about, um, and then I I I kind of go for it. I would not. I think I I share an inferiority complex. I don't. I'm not hesitant to do it, but I tend to feel like my marginalia is uh, it's it's not controversial. It's not. Uh, like shocking or, you know, I think, I feel like the famous marginalia you hear about, which I can't cite any, but it's usually like disagreeing vehemently right. with the writer or like calling out Someone some, you know, flaw, flaw of logic. Yeah. I don't, I, I, what I try to do or I've tried to do recently is, is write more, more like that, like record my response to it. Like I liked, I liked your sort of, um, you know, saying, oops, thought this was a, a POV change or whatever. Because I, I, I think that's, you're trying to record what you experienced as a reader. Right. To me, that that's what I want to aspire to. I, I tend to write down things like, um, you know, just repeat the theme in the margin so that if I'm ever flipping through, I'll see, oh, this is, a, you know, her childhood or whatever. I, I I'm not that great at it, but I want to be... I want to be better. I want to be more responsive and have it be that kind of conversation with the book. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it, that's what it is. It's conversation with the book. And I think uh, I've got to get over, maybe, maybe you have to get over it. I don't know. But the idea that it's conversation with the next person that's going to read it. So like, I'm just flipping through. I that's flawed, I think. Yeah. That's flawed. I underlined yeah. the word counterfeiting just the word counterfeiting and then you know i think to myself like what is somebody why people are gonna you know what's someone gonna think about that now i know i underline the word counterfeiting because yeah. i think the last caesar ira book that i read is all about a counterfeit so when i'm uh mm. i don't know uh seven eighths through this book and and suddenly there's a reference to counterfeiting it's very exciting to me so that underlining i really yeah. i guess just means like yay but then later in the book <laughs> there's something where the, the the character is like the character is almost describing what we love about writing in our notebook so but for an explorer of knowledge everything was useful the merest trifle a stone a letter a cough 
could be the point of departure for a new adventure and thought. And so I underline that again with joy and like, oh yeah, this is at times in this book, the Fulgentius, uh, once or twice, just very like the spirit of take note is, is yeah. in the book. And I'm very excited about that. But I also knew when I was underlining this, I knew that that was going to be undercut later on. Spoilers. Um, and, and, and so then I think to myself, like, this looks like I don't know that. And then I'm just gleeful about this, this, this point. But I actually, like, I suspect, and I was correct, that that would be undercut uh, within the next few pages. And I didn't care. But I don't get all, I don't put all of that in there, right? Like, it's not like... Uh, I, yeah. part of me wants to set the record straight, right? Like I'm on to this, <laughs> um, you know, in the same way that I want to say, I want to admit my mistake about the point of view change. I also want to say, like, I understand this will be undercut later, but I kind of believe that Cesar Ira somewhat believes this, even though it's undercut in the plot later, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, see, I, love, I mean, I love that yeah. to me, to me, the question is, or, or what I think about anyway, and I think you could apply it here is like, are you actually going to go back and look at your marginalia and gain something from it. Because I think there are times when I'm reading where I know that when I come, like, if I ever pick up the book and leave through again, I will have forgotten the experience that I had that caused me to underline something. And that if I can write one little jot that says, like, here's why this was notable the first time I read it, to me, that's what's interesting, and, you know, I was a literature major, so maybe it's this kind of note-taking, you know, uh, captures themes uh, for the for the essay exam or whatever that might be in my DNA a little bit. But I, I'm writing a note to myself. I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm not thinking about the author. I'm thinking you might want to know that this happened here because otherwise a book becomes an ocean of words after I'm done reading it, in which nothing stands out. I couldn't, you know, I can't go back to a great book and like find something memorable unless I've marked it. So when I'm marking it, I'm saying, this is giving myself a fighting chance of rediscovering this great moment later. But it's only for me. Right. Yeah. I don't know what's, I don't even know what purpose it serves because I don't even, I rarely even go back through books that I've marked up and really ponder them. And maybe that's my practice needs to change. When I finish a book, maybe I need to go back through and, and review all the places that I marked and relive that a little bit and kind of see, you know, get it in my brain a little bit before I move on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I don't really reread books often either. And, uh, I haven't, even though I really like Cesar Ira, I haven't uh, reread any of his books when I was on page 10 and I underlined something that delighted me but then I learned that I was wrong about what had happened in that moment um that was like sort of the moment that I gave up on this idea that like hey I've got this book early and Ted likes this guy too he could read it we could like talk about it in five months on the podcast right when it comes out as soon as I wrote in it that was like done for me um <laughs> sorry but you know um but no it became it became your book right right, right. But I, I will say this, I, I love Cesar Ira's books, and I especially loved this one. It's very different from all the other ones of his that I've read, and it's a book that I think I probably, that I imagine I might reread. Um, and it's, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad that I've got these notes um, to, to go back to and to like, 
you know, mostly it's like something that amused me and I underlined it. And so it'll make sure, you know, I'll ensure that I don't miss it and I'm entertained by it again. Or I'll wonder why the heck that amused I mean, me the, the first time. The, the commonplace book idea in which you pull nice quotations from what you're reading is kind of a mirror image of marginalia in a way. It's like, uh, you know, instead of putting your leaves in a trash can and dumping them <laughs> out onto the ground, it's more like picking up a leaf and doing a rubbing of it in your notebook and then leaving with the rub. Like, I love a commonplace book. I love revisiting these passages that that struck me and that kind of stand alone, and that's why you want to write it down. Like, like I, I gain a deep sense of pleasure from that that I don't really get from underlining, and yet... Part of me feels like if I let this great sentence go by without underlining it, I'm just like, I'm just letting it float off into eternity. I'm not like holding on to it in some way. So it's a weird, there's a weird, there's a weird metaphysical connection or, or, or thing that happens in my brain that says to give this passage its, its fair due, you need to underline it, whether or not I'm ever actually going to return to it, which means that reading a library book in a, is like a strange exercise in temporality. Like, I'm forced to not, like, write any notes down here, so I just have to accept that I'm going to read it this once and not write in it, not, you know, the, the, even the kind of fidgety nature of writing in it where you just feel like you're doing something additional. You're just reading it, closing it, and pushing it down in a little, little raft down the river, which I don't think is a terrible thing. No, I don't think so either. Or or writing it in your commonplace book. or, um, Yeah, you know, I, and I'm rarely going to write more than one quotation from a book down in the commonplace book. So in a way, it's kind of finding one that really speaks to you and has meaning on its own. Fulgentius. When you, I mean, you, you, you have a... a notoriously uh, large hand, let's say. You write big. You write... Small hand, large scrawl. <laughs> large scrawl. When you're marginalizing, are you are you reining it in? Yeah, are you I writing am. smaller it's letters than normal? Legible. Yep. Which <laughs> you know, begs all sorts of additional questions. <laughs> let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? Ding dong. Trick or treat. There, Halloween episode. No? <laughs> this was the Halloween episode. It happened. Uh, you can find us on the internet or at takenote.space. You can find us on Twitter at takenotepod. If you find it in your heart to support the show financially, we are at patreon.com slash takenote. To the people who have pledged their support, you are awesome. We Thank you. It's exciting. It's thrilling uh, that you would that you would do that, uh, and we we really appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, take care. <laughs>